Knight Rider. Kit is more than a car. It's an extension of you, Michael Knight. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. Did they intend for the back of the box to be read like it's a twist? Because that's why I read it like that in the front, like that revealing that you, the player, are <laughs> Michael Knight. <laughs> I, I, I appreciated like more the front of the box that just says that you will drive the car from Knight Rider. <laughs> Which is the same reason why you would buy anything Knight Rider merchandise, right? Like, forget if it's a video game, like, if it's a toy, you're not buying the Michael Knight action figure, you're buying the Michael Knight action figure that conveniently comes with Kit, the car. <laughs> you don't want a little bit of David Hasselhoff in your life? Don't hassle the Hoff. True. I think it was meant to be a twist, but it feels like they really uh, put that twist in a little early. On the first sentence you read before even opening the box... Right. Is the, is the plot twist. Well, who else are you supposed to be? You? <laughs> right. You've hijacked Mock Rider? Yeah, no one's allowed to be. Yeah, Knight Rider is a little different than Mock Rider. Uh, but also, before we get into like the game and stuff, I feel like it's appropriate to talk about Knight Rider, which I knew almost nothing about other than the name of the car and that the car is pretty cool. Uh, so I went and watched the first episode of Knight Rider, which is available on Peacock. And, you know... Lately, I've been confused because with all the um, networks getting their own streaming services and just adding their name and then a plus in front of it, we're being told that the golden age of television is over. And I think that's funny because it's like golden age of television. Like usually the golden age refers to things like when they first started, you know, like we had the golden age of comics back in the 30s, 40s and 50s, the golden age of movies in the 20s and stuff like that. How could we be in the golden age of TV just in the 2000s? But then I went back and watched Knight Rider from the 80s. And this show is just like, man, people were willing to put up with a lot more garbage on primetime television back then. So you don't like Knight Rider? Knight Rider. Just from what I watched in the first episode, I can't believe it even got renewed. Wow. I mean, I haven't watched it either. Uh, pretty much the same background as you, where I just sort of know of it. In fact, I actually got Knight Rider and like Quantum Leap confused all the time. Uh, but... I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was at least like, if, if you're into that kind of thing, like it's it's cute and fun. It's got really low production values, in my opinion, and it's also like this James Bond light going for it, where you know James Bond movies in the '80s were already featuring Roger Moore and were pretty damn cheesy. Now imagine if you have like one twentieth of the budget of a James Bond movie, and you also have to make a TV show for it. Yeah, I've never seen it either, but I always. I always imagined it and, and other similar shows kind of like having that like Batman syndrome where like, oh, people probably loved it at the time, you know, kids liked it or whatever, or people thought it was fun. But now if you look back at it, you're like, wow, this was not well put together. Joe, but that's just I'm me glad, assuming. I've never yeah, seen it. I'm glad you brought up Batman because that is something where like the Batman 60s TV show it's, you know, it's funny. It's not, it's not like meant to be taken seriously, but that is one where like the Batmobile was so cool that it still like translates today as if you see that at like a you know it comes to Comic-Con near you or something like people line up and they want to see that. I'm not saying that's not the case for Kit, 
but the things that make Kit cool are mostly the fact that he talks. Uh, you know, otherwise it's like, yeah, sure, he does like, uh, you could shoot bullets and stuff like that, and and jump in the air and all the all these other crazy things that only happen like for one particular episode and then are never brought up again or used to effect. But for the most part, it's not about like how cool the car actually looks, whereas like the Batmobile is about the you know the shape and, and aesthetic of it Knight Rider and Kit is more just like yeah it's a talking car like you you won't believe it the car talks <laughs> I mean it's a character I assume right yeah, like, yeah. You know, it has but does does the car in the show have a gun on it <laughs> the, the car can do anything it wants to do but as long as the writers allow it well right right so it does but it confirmed that it shoots because it also does every other cartoony gadget thing you can imagine <laughs> what I'm saying is the problem is is that they use those things, and then it's like, oh, we just forgot yeah. to use them later again when it would have helped uh, Michael. Well, you were talking about the most like interesting thing about Kit being that it talks. Like, I know that, like it's it's said that it does that, but like, it, what kind of character is the car? Because I don't think we really got a good handle of Kit as a character in this game. It's more so like. You, you you know the people that look after Kit and like your boss, but Kit himself isn't really a character in this game. Yeah, and I feel like that's a question I don't want to uh, jump ahead. Even on the character of Michael Knight too, which was really sh- a strange introduction to him, where it looked like a guy who vaguely looked like David Hasselhoff in the beginning, but in a twist, he gets shot in the face, and uh, and they think he's dead. But then they wind up doing some plastic surgery to him, and I don't know why that would uh, help him come <laughs> back to life. But they obviously, I'm you know, for fans of the show, I know I'm I'm doing a huge disservice here. He has a metal plate in his head, which bound uh, made the bullet bounce off of it. But his face was damaged forever, and so they gave him plastic surgery. That now he looks like David Hasselhoff. But I'm like, I don't know. He kind of looked like the guy looked like David Hasselhoff before. So now it's just a funny way of being like. You know, oh, he he he's not himself anymore. Like he's a completely new identity, and it's it's like it doesn't pay off. So I don't really know. I didn't get a good read on Michael. <laughs> that Knight didn't based on answer the first... anything. <laughs> right, like, I, I didn't get a good yeah, read I'm on Michael Knight, confused. and I didn't get a good read on Kit because I can't tell if he's like, uh, you know, like a witty um, wingman, or if he's like, you know, cooler than Michael and like, uh, yeah, that, you know, that's like sort he's of... the star of the show. I couldn't I couldn't get that vibe from one. Yeah, that's sort of more what I'm asking. Whereas, like, at least in the the intermission briefings, like you can get an idea. That like, oh, okay, this M guy, who I guess is Michael, uh, really likes to take vacations. And he's, he's like, he doesn't always like to go on the missions. Uh, whereas, like, you don't even get an inkling of what the car is. So, so yeah. gut, gut check here on the Michael and Kit relationship is that Michael is Batman and Kit is Alfred. Okay. That was what I was going to ask, though. So, like, does, does like, <laughs> I mean, does Kit, like, ever talk back or disagree or anything or is it like you know is it like kit you know activate this and he's like yes sir uh <laughs> or is yeah there like character so, yeah is no, there, no is it's, there it's like a, interaction between them right it's a character and he does he he will suggest the things to do you know it's like he's okay. you know like might i make a suggestion michael you know like some something like that yeah okay i see he doesn't overstep his boundaries he asks politely to to fucking do he's very thing. deferential okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And, uh, you know, the one thing that really translates over between the video game and the show is that the show was also all about terrorists uh, and committing treason and shit like that. And the video game sets up the same exact plot of the terrorists have raided a U.S. military site and only Michael Knight and Kit can chase them all the way across the country, all the way across the country. Keep in mind, you go from from San Francisco back to L.A. So really an unusual trip. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) right. But, you know, you do that, and uh, I think, you know, traveling across country map makes the driving experience cool. But the the whole, like, terrorists uh, and this kind of car thing also made me think about Back to the Future with the DeLorean and the terrorists randomly being inserted into that plot as well. <laughs> well, that was just like an 80s thing where everything was terrorists. Um, but what I But the reason that you have to come back to L.A. after leaving L.A. is because... There's just so much shit that goes wrong over the course of this game. Like, they have terrible uh, defense and counterintelligence measures between this Knight Foundation and the U.S. government. There's just like, oh, uh, you know, we I know we just got you from this other mission where the, uh, where the terrorists stole the weapons. But, like, actually, while you were out there, these other terrorists stole this uh, vi- virus from Toronto. Can While you're on your way, can you go stop them? Like, oh, no, now now something's going on in Miami. Like, everything. It, it's it's pretty... Is that Maybe that's how the show is, too, where we just have inept counterintelligence measures all over the place. Yeah, but I mean, it's got to be hard to deal with it when there's just Across the entire country, there are just, like, caravans of terrorists on, like, <laughs> residential streets. Or not residential streets, but, like, public streets. Yeah. It's a pretty high ratio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sean, you're talking about the, the various missions they'll give you, but what did you think about that, you know, like, uh, just from a presentation standpoint, the way that they brief the missions to you and then they bring you over to the... Uh, I don't know the woman's name, but she's like the tech person and she helps you select like which, uh, you know, which stat you want to boost and stuff like that. What did you think of the presentation uh, of those uh, of those elements of the game? I like that. Um, I, I like that it sort of gives you I know it's not really a home base that you actually are in, but after each mission, you have a sort of a breather and you get half of a joke from these people, and um, you, like, it doesn't really matter how you performed, you get an upgrade. And uh, I think that even though what's happening in the game has really nothing to do with what's going on with these terrorists or whatever other plot stuff is going on, I think that this does a relatively okay job at telling a story within the game itself as as long as it's not just in the manual this is a step above the uh the the normal stuff that we get uh throughout the course of this podcast um and even though you you can upgrade many different things i uh i i learned that i can't control this game well enough to want to go faster so i mostly just went into like shield and uh shield and gas yeah, that that story, um, those story elements do the context there does kind of help in in a weird way, like keeping me interested in each mission. Because without that, the only thing that's changing mission to mission, besides like maybe the number of enemies on screen, is uh, is the background, which is another thing that helps. But like 
I guess what I'm trying to say is if you strip those things away, the story and the background, it's it's a very, very, very repetitive game. And it's kind of it's remarkable to me how how far just like little story beats like that go in making it feel a little less a little like unique each time. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, Joe, that this is this is just good branding for Knight Rider, because these are the elements that make it feel closest that you're playing Knight Rider and not just as any car and as any guy driving on highways that don't really to Sean's point, like the terrorist plot, you don't really feel it in the moment to moment gameplay. You're mostly just dodging blue cars and shooting red and yellow cars on your way between uh between cities. So this element of both the briefing mission, which kind of shows you your map and has a dialogue between Devin and Michael uh, and Kit, th- you know, that that's good in itself because that kind of like sets up, oh, it's the next episode of Knight Rider, right? And then you have with, with Bonnie where they have like the schematics of the car that don't mean anything. Like you can't even shift over to them or look at them or anything but i could imagine but it a looks kid, super cool right yeah a kid having a lot more fun with his imagination thinking about like oh i've upgraded the shields and like what does that mean for the car like you know like based <laughs> on the blueprints like i could see that being a lot of fun so when you look at games that we've played in the past like back to the future or who framed roger rabbit those were games that we felt you know yeah like they were covering the the story beats and everything but they felt a little soulless against the ips that they were actually uh replicating in video game form whereas this one i think does a pretty good job of at least you know inserting the correct characters and having like their you know personalities in the dialogue and including a little extra flavor in these two screens that yeah it's like whatever at the end of the day right you can just press the enter uh, the start button on either of these and just to skip over them but if you want them, they're there to add. Yeah, flavor. I'd say that this game has it a little easier off, though, because it's about driving a car fast against uh, um, against terrorists, whereas Who Framed Roger Rabbit is a little bit harder of a concept to gamify. Um, but no, I, I definitely believe that even with that handicap, this this game did a much better job. And then you're brought into the actual gameplay where uh, you're in the cockpit view of Kit as you're driving on these highways. And it kind of auto starts for you and then, you know, lets you take the wheel and you're on your own from there. Before we talk about, you know, gameplay or anything, I I really just want to talk about this user interface that they've laid out here for Kit's cockpit. Because this is the thing that, you know, I guess like makes both the the coolness of the car translate into video game form, but also just does things that I wasn't aware we could do uh, on the NES. When you, we start thinking about like all the other ideas we come up for other games, this thing has a lot of features jam-packed into a UI. And yeah, it's ticking up like at least a third of the screen, but it's it has, you know, it has a timer, it has your score, it has your shield um, HP measure, uh, Kit's voice has, like, he can talk to you to warn you about things, and, uh, you know, that's indicated as well. The speedometer and the uh, tachometer, I think you say. Um, The fuel gauge uh, for gas. Uh, A radar that shows you, like, where other uh, enemies are on the screen as they're approaching. So if you're either in the air and need to think about, like, where you want to land, or if a turn is coming up, it'll tell you about these things. And also, like, what weapons you have indicated and how far away you are from the next location. Like, that is just so much information 
on one uh, on one cockpit view that actually all works. Yeah, the the mini map is something that I thought was in terms of the HUD the most impressive part and actually like kind of the most useful part if you're spending a lot of time turboing and not exactly seeing the ground it could do a a lot of help to just knowing where you are in relation to all the other enemies or obstacles uh and the the, the speedometer looks cool too but in general this game just looks really good like even the like going past the dashboard just looking at the the road ahead of you like it's very smooth considering there's a lot of different like angles that it's doing and the sprites for the vehicles like if it's a truck you'll get several different versions of the view like how it would look if you're looking at a truck from behind like third quarter perspective uh it just looks good yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that the, the game looks great, and that translates it to it feeling great, too, because it because the way the motion uh, looks also kind of makes it feel good. Um, as, far as, the, as far as the HUD or the, like the dashboard and everything, I did feel like I was really impressed with how much they put on there. I guess I was a little less um, impressed with the practicality of the uh, minimap. I thought it was impressive, but I, and I hadn't really thought about, like, how useful it is when you're jumping in the air, but I guess I did that so infrequently. It felt almost useless to me when I'm on the ground because everything you can see on the screen is... is Everything you can see on your mini-map is already on your regular screen at that point. Like, it doesn't show you further out than your actual sight. So there's no reason for me to ever look... It felt like there was no reason for me to ever look at the mini-map when I can just look at the screen. I guess... That I guess for uh, not encountering the fact that like when you jump, you might need to check that because you can't see the, the road anymore. But Joe, I think it'll tell you if turns are coming before you could anticipate them, which is important because you need to slow down, right? I mean, I'm watching right now, and I, I think I can see the turns like in the distance at the same time as the. Maybe I was up. just so focused on the yeah. radar in general that I was just using it as a uh, you know as oh. an actual rather than looking. Yeah, out. so you're <laughs> playing this like a modern video game. Right. You just stare at the mini map the whole time. <laughs> also, doesn't help though that the radar and look, you know, it's it's already advanced enough, so I'm not gonna put a big complaint in here. But if the blue cars are supposed to rep- represent like civilians that, that you're just not supposed to damage, and if you do blow them up, you are just given like a five second penalty. Feels like it should be a lot more severe for killing innocent civilians. But whatever, when terrorists are on the loose, I guess you get to do whatever you want. <laughs> Here's the thing. They show up on the radar as well. So, yeah, I guess it really is only used for jumping because it's not an accurate thing to detect where your enemies are. It just shows anything that's on on the map, uh, on the highway with you. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of a, a think piece on why the human operator needs to be a part of warfare. Because to an AI, all humans are enemies. It is reading those blue cars like enemies, no doubt. That's a good point. But the the, the other reason that the 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 fact that the um that the mini map didn't get give me as much use, like the reason that that stands out to me so much is because I felt like the it was kind of the one major thing really missing from the game that would make a big difference in the gameplay. And not to jump too much into the gameplay, but I'm sure we'll talk a little later about, and we already talked a little bit about, like, the um, 
the kind of resource management of it. You got to kind of manage your your fuel, and you got to look at like how much time you have left, and, and uh, before you get to the finish line or whatever you want to call it. But nowhere on this display is there an indication of how close you are to the end of this level. Uh, there is, Joe. Feels, feels, there is. Yes, but no, that's okay. There's no reason you should know that. But if you look at the manual, uh, it does have uh, that. So you see that red square that's kind of like between the screens where your gas and meter is and where your uh, weapons are. Isn't below that it? like Kit's head? Like that's Kit's face. Right? Uh, no, no, no. Sorry. So, th- not the. That's like his voice modulation thing. I'm You're talking, talking about like the cross. Not the cross. Of? So the just the little red square that's between the gas meter and the weapons. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, oh! that, that is the distance meter, well, and so then, that is how far away you are from the goal. That's what I needed because this whole time I was like, well, I'm just gonna really try and conserve gas the whole time because I have no idea how close I am and how. So that changes things for me. There's a lot of, like, you know, between this game and Ghostbusters, like, you can really tell that the people who made this game are children of the, the gas crises of the 70s because, you know, just conserving gasoline <laughs> is a huge theme in these NES games. Well, I'm sure, I assume that was one of the most exciting parts of the show is like when he's like, oh shit, I'm almost out of gas. <laughs> That's what I was going to say is like, is Kit really a supercar if he needs gas? Like they couldn't have made him just electric just for the sake of futurism as well. Nuclear fuel cells. Anything, right? I guess like, you know, that, look, that comes down to a lot of things too. There's just the, the vulnerability of Kit on so many levels. Uh, one that, you know, uh, he has that gas, right? But then also the shields and, just uh, the amount of time it takes him once he goes off-road and, like, hits a tree or something, the amount of time it takes him to get back on the highway. Granted, it's incredible that he could continue driving at all, <laughs> but still, as a supercar and stuff like that, I feel like the coolest parts of the car were in the uh, the HUD, and uh, the the car becomes a lot less impressive when you see what you can actually do with it in the moment-to-moment gameplay. Yeah, I, I want to um, now kind of like re- rethink what I was saying about the HUD, and I actually think that them putting everything, including that like distance meter, the map, I mean, all your stuff, I mean, just to like sum up everything we're talking about, putting all of that in the dashboard of the car does a great job of making you feel like the car is quote-unquote a character or like a main part of this game. It doesn't just feel like this is all video game information. It feels like you are working with the car, like you're using the car to to make decisions and to you know like it's just it's just immersive in that sense where it's like it's not just it's not just a map up in the top corner of your screen or something it's all feels like oh this i'm able to do this because this car is so cool but do you know what i'm saying joe you were talking about how later we do this thing where we always say like i'm sure later on we'll talk about it and then we just go right into it right, the, (laughs) the resource management part of this game makes kit a lot less cool immediately like it's oh it's, i agree i agree the yeah. presentation thing is great and then you realize like oh but the actual car isn't like that great and it trust me it's not because you don't have all the upgrades that that stuff is not going to improve as you like continue to upgrade your shields that's just what what happens i don't know i i mean i think that the car is still pretty cool i think the thing that makes it uncool is that they they tied your turbo boost to just something as mundane as how full your gas tank is. Like, if they just made it like, oh, you got, like, three or four turbo charges, and th- that's just it. It's like a discrete 
number of times that you can use this feature and like you don't have to worry about gas your kit uh and you're not just gonna like slow down and die on the highway it would be i think it would do the exact same thing in balancing the gameplay because you'd still have a limited amount of times that you could do the super jump and it would it would still be cool because you're not thinking about gas so i think that that one little design change could make this feel a little bit cooler yeah i think that the thinking about gas part like does definitely like takes away from like the cool factor that you're feeling because it's like that's such a like mundane regular thing to think about and, and it's like a little bit of a chore to have to manage your gas just from like driving quickly your gas goes down like but but I do get the idea behind, like, if that worked, if the gas thing did work, I get the idea behind tying your turbo boost to the gas because then it makes it just feel all a little more connected. Yeah. It's like, like it's all part of the car. But yeah, the problem is that it just doesn't work in general. Yeah, it, it makes sense because it's like, oh, you would have to think about gas because you're driving a car. But no, you're, dri- you're driving kit, which yeah. from <laughs> what we've... What we believe is a cool thing from the 80s. We may not know firsthand, but that's what we're going at. I never thought of the turbo thing as a, you know, as you, you know, the thing that was using up my gas. Now it's so clear. And I did read the manual and it does mention uh, that it's that's part of his turbo boost or whatever. But I just thought that was like a jump ability that the car had. Like the car just had this amazing, impressive <laughs> ability to just jump in the air. But I guess it's just that the turbo leaps it into the air or whatever um, doesn't, yeah, doesn't make too much otherwise, more sense. Would they give you not enough gas to complete a level? <laughs> like that would yeah, be no, it's something true because else. <laughs> I was spamming it my first playthrough, just being like, "Oh wow, this is great! I can just hop over all the blue cars, don't even have to worry about that." And I ran out of gas very quickly. Uh, so yeah, to your point, Sean, if you just limited the amount of times you could jump to like three right like think about it they're limiting how many missiles you have how many lasers you have why not just limit these jumps or turbo boosts as they're supposed to be called uh limit those as well and lose this feature because there's just a lot of different like failure states right there's the 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 failure of time the failure of gas the um the failure of your shields like there's three ways to lose and you're supposed to be the coolest car on the planet. Yeah, and also, I mean, am I was I imagining this, or does going faster, you know, realistically guzzle your it gas does. more quickly? Yeah, because there were times where I didn't jump at all, and I still didn't make it with enough gas. And then I realized, like, do I like am I really supposed to be like strategically managing like my speed throughout too? To wow, that's just know. unrealistic. <laughs> it felt like uh it felt that like it was like giving me this tool to go super fast but then like that was like really cool but then making me feel like well i shouldn't really ever do that yeah i don't know why they would do it this way because going fast should be a self-limiting thing like if you're skillful at driving fast and you can find a way around your obstacles then you should be allowed to do that with no other like malice because like otherwise you're being punished twice like you have more of a chance to run into shit and also your gas is just going to drain faster that 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 seemed i didn't notice that at all but that seems silly yeah i i noticed that i actually it made me like reluctant to go top speed which seems like would be the most fun part about this game you know it reminds me of if we go all the way back to a very very old episode from an alternate reality 
It reminds me of when we talked about uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, where I was like, well, the first level encourages you to go really fast, and then every level since then feels like it punishes you for going fast. Yeah, it'd be crazy if we ever recovered that <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, I'm saying if we had recorded Yeah, if we had recorded that, so that's that I'm sure I would we would have said. said something along those lines. Yeah. And another thing about the, the whole driving, uh, as a compliment, because I feel like you know, maybe we're ragging on a little too hard. We said that the UI was cool, and then we started busting kit. Then now we're going to talk about uh, good kit things again. So. I thought that the use of the controller in this game and how they made every button count was uh, was really impressive. It was a little like hard to like as I'm driving and controlling my speeds, uh, you know, because you have to hold up uh, on the D-pad to continue to accelerate faster. It was a little hard to like also press select on that kind of controller. Like it's not as, uh, you know, it's not as fluid as I'm used to with like an Xbox 360 controller or whatever. But it all worked because they made every button count. So the B, A, select all do things, and they all do things other than accelerate. Like, it would suck if they made the A button, the acceleration button, and you just always have to, like, hold that down, and then the B is your firing, you know, thing, and then the select button winds up being jump or something. So I like that they tied all steering and speed between the D-pads, so left and right to steer and up and down to kind of control your speed. And then the B button is your jump, the A is your weapons, and uh, the select uh, cycles between the weapons. I don't know, I just found that to be uh, a really impressive use of using every single button that's on the controller. There's really not much else they could have done. Yeah, I mean, it's refreshing compared to some games where I feel like even if, they're not, even if they are using all the buttons, they're using them in weird ways. And it does feel, you know, I will say at first it felt weird to me to use the um, up on the D-pad to accelerate. Like, I wanted to use A. But, yeah, as I kind of went on and was, like, thinking about the limitation, the, the limited amount of buttons on an NES controller, it does make the most sense because it's all intuitive then. It's like, you know, you're, you, can, you can turn while holding up because you can kind of, you know, you can kind of roll your thumb over to the left side as you're, as you're still accelerating and whatnot. Um, but then you can also, like, you can shoot with, with your other hand or, or jump and whatnot. Yeah, and just going off of, like, the controls of it, that, the game, in terms of its sense of speed, aside from there not being too many like foreground objects to sort of uh, to to illustrate that, it does have a like a, a good sense of speed and like like handling of this vehicle. Like it doesn't like if the control if the controls allowed for uh, acceleration and braking to be their own face buttons, it might feel even better because like. In in a more you know modern game, there'd be like this sort of balance between uh, laying on the gas and braking and sort of alternating between that. But there's like a version of that with what's going on here because if you take a turn, go like just screaming down the road, you're gonna have to like kind of modulate a little bit to make sure that you don't run yourself off the road. And there were some like nail biting moments when i was just at the the actual shoulder of the street and trying to make sure that i didn't i didn't go into a car or into a you know uh an obstacle on the grass uh the game feels good in terms of the actual acceleration car stuff yeah, it reminded me of another famous NES Rider game, Mock Rider, uh, in that sense, where you do have to be aware of the turns and, and figure out the course in, in that kind of way. 
because otherwise you will spin out and, uh, you know, it'd be impossible to uh, break in time or slow down in time because you're at top speed or whatever and you weren't anticipating a hard left or hard right. Yeah. And, and like the sounds, it, you know, they're not the best uh, sound design of like a screeching tire, but they 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 apply some good feedback when you know like, oh, I need to slow down. Now, let's not forget the mission of the game, though, and that was to chase down these terrorists and, uh, you know, get between the destinations of the city. Along the way, you are, um, you know, you run into these red and yellow cars. The red cars are, you know, they'll shoot it back at you. And the yellow cars are just this. They basically act like red cars, except for you will know that they'll have a power up or something uh, that they'll hand off to you if you manage to blow one of them up. There's a couple thoughts here from me. One is that the the whole like red, yellow, blue color scheme isn't like hard to decipher. This isn't like um you know a zapper game where you're like oh I got I got to make sure I don't shoot the civilian right. In this, it's very obvious like blue stands out like a lot against the red and yellow, so it was never hard to to dodge those guys. You'd have to you'd have to really either ram into them because you have nowhere else to go or accidentally like misfire without without a because of the way that the cars are shooting at you you have to kind of weave between traffic and accidentally doing it that way so i didn't find it the blue were just more like an obstacle in my way rather than something that i might accidentally destroy but also the the red cars and just the way they behave and i don't know if it's all cars in the game but they they shoot like one or two at a time and then once they've done that you just kind of have to come into the lane and shoot and then swerve back out. And I know that sounds either easy or frustrating or whatever. I guess it, for me, it landed on frustrating because you have to also keep about your speed. And if you're not paying attention to how fast you're going and also focusing on, okay, well, these guys stopped shooting. So now I'm going to weave in and shoot at them. And, oh, wait, it's not just one bullet's going to take care of them. It's going to be a few hits. It winds up being something where I wind up passing a lot of these guys or I wind up having to just move on from them uh, and focus on the road. And so because the objective isn't taking down X number of terrorists before you move on and more about getting to the destination, there's not much incentive to uh, play most of the course. Yeah, I noticed that I wasn't skipping them like on in, intent. I wasn't skipping them intentionally. But I wasn't really worried if I missed them. But I thought that they were easy enough to sort of track where I would just match their speed and sort of ride the line between them and the uh, the next lane so that my bullets could hit. But like theirs missed most of the time um, that I would still engage. But if if I was going too fast or if the if the actual lay of the land didn't allow for a safe, like from whatever term that you're going for uh, a safe engagement, then I had no problem just driving past them. Yeah. I kind of, whenever I saw any car that was going to shoot at me, um, I didn't really go out of my way to shoot them first. I was like, well, if I'm over here, I'm just going to drive past them. And then if, um, if I happen to see a moment where like if I'm shooting at someone else and I see this car shoot and miss, I would take that opportunity to kind of like zip over there real fast and shoot while I know there's like a little bit of cool down before their next shot. 
but I certainly didn't go out of the way to put myself in that danger. Like I, I was pretty quick to adopt the strategy of like, if I don't have to shoot at this guy, I'm not going to put myself behind him. And I suppose the, to the developers, it made more sense to be a race against time that would be more thrilling, you know, nail biting, if you will, to, you know, make sure you get to the next location uh, in two and a half minutes or else versus make sure you defeat 15 red cars. And then the following level, make sure you defeat 17 red cars, like just upping that number. I suppose that's more exciting. Of course, they could have went the complete chaos route and just decided first destroy seven cars and then you'll be able to go to the next city you know like you have to do both x amount of reds and then you can drive on to the city and try to beat it in time which would probably be way too frustrating yeah but, uh, i think it, adding two different things that you're being constrained by might be more trouble than it's worth yeah it would get frustrating and for the record i mean i didn't feel like it the, my way of playing made it less fun I felt like it just made it like feel a little more, even a little more realistic. It was like, hey, I'm trying to get here. Instead of attacking, I'm dodging, but I'll attack if I have to. Like, it never felt like I was like, oh, the game lets me cheese it. Yeah, it just I don't. Felt like, no, this is like another, you know, way to avoid these things. I don't disagree with where they wound up. I think that's what I was saying at the end is that you have to kind of choose like which one's more thrilling to the player, the race against time or defeat 15 enemies. And to to be honest, isn't it always the case, even in you know, say beat-em-ups, right? Uh, other than the ones that, I guess, like, lock you on the particular screen until you clear them all off. For the most part, it's about getting to the end of the level in games, not about, like, make sure you take care of everybody. Like, don't let any enemies get through because then they'll probably get to the, the you know, you're going to the bad guy's castle, so aren't all the enemies heading to the good people's castle? So you really shouldn't let anybody through, I suppose, but that's a problem for the Toads, not for Mario. Yeah, that's a completionist achievement perspective. There should be an achievement for killing every single enemy in a game. Like just in any game? Like most games? Every game should just have that achievement. You've killed everybody. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) I didn't know what to say there. (laughs) And why should you? Well, what do you want to say about drive mode? That's the other mode in this game uh, that is the same exact locations, the same highway system, and uh, you know, an amount of time it takes to get there and everything, except for now, it's not about shooting and taking down enemies and everything. Now it's about driving that same course and practicing your driving skills. Now, you know... I I didn't play this. I didn't play the drive mode. I read about it in the manual. Uh, But I can see why one would want to, because I I know it's really just like a color scheme flip and a background, like, change out. But each, like, just with those being the only two things that are changing, each level does have a different feel to it. Like, some of them are at night, some of them are in the clear blue sky, some of them are in weird, like, I guess Boston, like, was recently smoke-bombed, and it's just everything is, like, this ghastly purple. Uh, But each level does have its own different feel, and in some levels, I think the traffic even uh, behaves differently. Like, I noticed in later levels, even the 
obstacle civilians were starting to like change lanes and swerve in front of me, which I thought was cool. It felt more reactive. So I think if you're really just going for that sort of thing and you want to experience the later cities like Miami or like like uh maybe it was Dallas, I don't know. The southern ones. Um but you the actual game is too hard, then this is how you'd experience it. Yeah, I think we mentioned before like where this game I think like one of the the bright points of this game is how it how it drives, how it controls, you know, it it it's smooth and it feels it feels a little bit uh, ahead of its time in the sense of like a driving game that could, you know, a lot of times when we see any sort of game that tries to do something in first person and it feels kind of funky or it feels like it feels like, oh yeah, this was definitely made for the NES and it, and it, and it's kind of choppier and a little slot stiffer and this moves smoothly and it, and it kind of, you know, I can't imagine them improving on the motion too much from where they already are. So like that, Kind of just gives you a chance to just experience that, and and it and that's fun in its own right. I only just question the drive modes, uh, you know, objective being too similar to the to the base game. I suppose I, I'm saying it's basically just stripping out the weapons portion, and it's still about getting to the location in X amount of time, and you still have gas and everything. Like in, in that sense, you know that I I feel like the drive mode should either just be like completely casual and just remove everything and just be more about driving his kit right or just trying to do something different like you know not style points or something but something that scores you based on how you drove as kit in that level and not just like a make sure you get there in the same amount of time yeah maybe the courses should be more swervy or challenging or something and i agree with that like it should be more like if it's if it's about driving, then you should introduce something that makes the driving more interesting or more challenging than the regular game. I, I guess like my only defense of it is that you really wouldn't have to worry too much about gas because you're not gonna have to. You're not doing like uh, evasive maneuvers, and you're not gonna be jumping unless you want to. And I guess the time limits not really necessary anymore, but. Like, when you're removing all of the enemies, I think that that's a relaxed mode as much as it needs to be. Well, you remove the enemies, but the cars are still there, right? You yeah. Still yes. I mean, you still yes. have to navigate traffic. And jump over them and whatnot. Yeah, you're not going to get hit by any of them if, unless you run into them. And, uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I guess that's the case in the regular game, too, except the only difference is now you have one less way of dealing with them, which is you can't shoot them. It. You're gonna shoot the civilians. Well, no, there are, but there are, like, there are still trucks and white and red cars, or at least white cars in the in the drive mode. Whereas, like in the regular mode, there's like it seems like there's the same amount of cars, but the difference is half of them you can shoot. This is like the same thing, but now you can't shoot any of them. You have to dodge all of them. So it almost feels like it would make me more likely to use my turbo jump. Gotcha. Um, granted, I also did not play this mode, so just speculating based on what speculation on both ends. Then, yeah, uh, I did play it, and that's I guess why I'm just feeling that it wasn't different enough. Uh, I definitely agree with you, Joe. That even if they just changed up the, you know, it doesn't have to be new backgrounds or anything, but just changing up the tracks themselves. But you know, I guess I'm asking for a lot. The mission mode is the core of the game, and the drive is just something extra. Where's my, you know, pass my international A driver's license test with Kit? You know, that's what I really want to do. <laughs> 
Uh, it's a Gran Turismo movie. reference. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Where am I? Why am I picking up other people from <laughs> from the Knight Rider series or from the spinoff show <laughs> Team Knight Rider? Why why are I not picking up these people and taking them around town? That's 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 what I want. I want a taxi driver game. Do we get one of those, Mike? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, Oh, we didn't talk about the boss battles. Oh, yeah. They're not really... Boss battles is weird. (laughs) Uh, They're more like just one-off enemies that are more intimidating. So bosses, yeah, sure, why not? Like, there's a helicopter, there's a truck, there's a couple of other guys. I don't know. Nothing nothing special, right? Yeah, I mean, you just just shoot at them as they drive... You shoot at them as they drive closer and further away from you. They shoot at you a little more. They take a lot more hits. Yeah. Basically, throughout a level, you'll have the chance of running into, like, a friendly, uh, which is, like, a truck that if you just stay behind it, it'll give you a power-up. And it'll give you, like, missiles sometimes or lasers sometimes, sometimes, like, something less fun. And in the kitted, like, in the pre-game where you can choose your upgrades, you can choose to pick up missiles and uh, lasers. This is just preface to say that in the boss battles, this is where you just spam all those missiles and lasers so that it's as short as possible. And you guys wouldn't know because you've never seen the show, but uh, the game doesn't include the theme song. So the, the, the one song in the game is not the theme it's song? It's not the theme song. I, I don't <laughs> even think that, that's from the game. Uh, from, the, from the show, I should say. Is the theme song iconic? Like, does yeah, everybody love I, it? Okay. I wouldn't say, like, everybody loves it, but uh, people who, you know, it had a cool show. I would say, in general, this game is missing the uh, the kind of outrun aesthetic that the show might have been a little bit, you know? Uh, not, you know, not as outrun as uh, things are now in, you know, <laughs> subreddits where it's like everything is all like future retro and stuff like that purple this, and right yeah, yeah th- this wasn't exactly that and i would argue that maybe the las vegas stage does feel a little outrunny but um you know the show had a had a quality about it especially in the th- in the theme song and that's what made me think about it that was kind of like you know oh missions at night dangerous terrorists like guy wearing sunglasses even though it's dark outside <laughs> like anything can happen you know like that didn't that wasn't really embraced in these broad daylight uh I'm heading off to Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should have been thinking about us playing this 30 something years into the future uh when we fetishized that that whole thing. But weren't they fetishizing it back then? Like when it no, was No, I think that relevant? was just like, <laughs> I think that was just the way things looked. Like got it. Okay, well then in that case though if that's the way things looked like stylized like that right. was just the way that we were designing things. Right, but then why didn't they design the game like that too? Cuz it's 8 bit, man. There you I go. Don't know. Hey. Yeah. Well, you know, Outrun kind of gets th- that name is from the game, right? From the game. I <laughs> yeah. Know, but... No, I know. They like that's just funny in in general too that it's not really a um it's not really a style that the TV show would have been going for. But even doubt. Outrun itself isn't, like, if we're going to get into this conversation, even Outrun the game itself isn't uh, holding fast to all of the uh, the, the rules of, of the, su- the subgenre with the, the digital sun and all that stuff. So uh, I'm going to hold my tongue, though. I understand. And uh, there's, no reason, there's no reason to get into that because I have a question <laughs> instead. Okay. Would you like this game more if you could get out of the car and play as Michael Knight being like inside of uh you know a, 
like a hostage situation or trying to run through a terrorist warehouse or something? No. I think that that could fall into the like the trap of trying to do too much and then not doing enough with like yeah the thing that the thing that it should shine at, which is the driving element. We, of it. We've played many games that try to like go cross genre, and I think like only one or two were any good. Well, surprise! It's the sequels and spinoff section. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Night Rider. 1984, the original game, the game that came before this one, uh, it was a computer game, was mostly like the same exact kit portions, like it looked pretty close to what we see here on the NES, but also let you get out of the car and play as night. And I thought that was interesting that a game that came before it granted four computers uh, wound up being, you know, maybe considered a little more advanced. Uh, you know, because people were comparing things up against back in those days, right? Is like what you, how, what a game let you do. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Knight Rider's first game let you do that. Uh, Knight Rider on NES does not, and then Knight Rider Special, which was a 1989 Japanese only game for the Turbo Graphics 16. So I guess Knight Rider was pretty damn popular in Japan. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, too, I think that the Famicom version of this game uh, changed only one small thing. It changed Bonnie's name to Vani with a V Vonnie. as if like, yeah, as if like that's like, that's got to be just an accident, right? Like, there's no reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's no reason for that, right? I don't know. Oh, wait, another big change in the Famicom version. Sorry, I know I was about to talk about the TurboGrafx-16 thing, but this is a big update. The title screen's different. It's purple instead of blue, so, you know, kind of outrun vibes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and they removed Michael up against the car. So it's just it's the car. Just, it's they just the car. They don't like Hasselhoff there. They're the anti-Germany. Yeah. I'm sure he felt very yeah. hassled by that. <laughs> it's kind of like Back to the Future with no doc. You know, there's two major elements to your show, and you just include one. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway back to the TurboGrafx 16 game that is again almost the same game as the nes with the idea of just driving between cities and stuff except for now they said screw the cockpit view let's do third person perspective like you're behind the car yeah you're behind the entire car kind of like a a gran turismo kind of view um i mean like that's been done I mean, and so has the first person thing but I think just looking at the ass of Kit is less cool than driving Kit. I never thought of it that I was looking at his ass, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could pull up an image of Knight Rider special for you two to just react to, but it's just great pixel work, but otherwise it's nothing nothing crazy, and yeah. I agree. I think that the I, cockpit view is better. I agree, too. I guess if I wanted to play Devil's Advocate, I mean, maybe they want you. they want people to be able to, like, oh, to see the... To see the car, you know, because it's like that's it's a cool design car. It's like when you make it so when you create a character in Skyrim and then you play the next 80 hours of the game, never looking at the character you created. <laughs> so, like, I guess I get that side of it. But I do agree that I think that it's just cooler to feel like you're in the you're, in, you know, you're behind the wheel. I will. I will say, though, that most modern like third person games with this whole like over the shoulder thing, less so than in older side scrollers like you're really only looking at the back of a character's head most of the time sure yeah and then there are two 
PlayStation 2 Knight Rider games, which is also just crazy to me. This one I did send you guys screenshots over to. Um, you know, they look just exactly like you'd expect them to. Obviously, they're more open than any of these games, but it looks like you're stuck in the car this time. So, really, it's <laughs> Is that funny the that... the plot point? <laughs> no, no, I... Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I think it's just... It's interesting that the only Knight Rider game where you got out of the car and played as Michael, David Hasselhoff, was the very first game, and they were like, oh, people hated that. Like, <laughs> people just want to be the car. <laughs> And we'll find out if being the car is enough when we decide if this game is on the essential games list. Sean, is it enough to be the car? <laughs> to to drive the car, to be the... I think you are driving the car. You do yeah, you're see not, Yeah, you're definitely not Kit. You're not cool you're enough not to be Kit. You're not Kit. But is it enough to drive Kit? Um... I do really like this game. I do think that the visuals are uh, excellent for for this sort of thing. Uh, the the gameplay like loop is while not super uh, while it's not super complex, it is still fun. And the intermission breaks with the map and the conversations like they're cool and you got like your little list of cities like going to all these cities a lot of the a lot of the presentational stuff is on point here uh i will say though that it just it just doesn't it doesn't have the it factor that for me makes it essential game i think that it's got a lot of good stuff going for it, but it's just not quite essential. All right, Joe? Yeah, this was a lot better than I ever expected it to be. I'll say that for sure. Um, I agree with Sean that the presentation is phenomenal. Also, I guess maybe it's just been a while since we played a game like this, but I was really you know, impressed with how uh, well it controls. So I thought that that was really cool, but ultimately there's really not enough variety i mean there's a lot of variety in the imagery and the in and like uh some of the enemies i guess but like overall the gameplay loop feels so much like a loop it feels very repetitive to me um that i lose interest pretty quickly i i think this is a fun game to like pick up and play for a little bit um but not enough to kind of hold me so i'm going to not vote it essential I also had a lot of fun with this game, and I, I think it actually I had a better time playing this game than I did watching the show it's based off of. So uh, <laughs> that, you know, it's held up better than its own TV show. That's a pretty good statement. Uh, I think Joe was trying to talk about this earlier in the episode about just how, how smooth the gameplay is, too, though. Like, it doesn't feel choppy when you're driving, and uh, I don't know if it's just the way they lock the background and not the highway, but I don't know. I just felt like, the driving experience was way better than I was giving it credit for throughout the episodes. I just want to like write that wrong if anybody thought that I didn't think that was impressive. But the other elements of the game are what make it less than. I, I kind of wonder what makes Kit so cool again, and not compared to his character on the show or, you know, personality or just like th those kinds of things. But compared to other video game cars, like, I don't know, it feels like every video game car could also just be secretly Kit because he does, he has like the same vulnerabilities and the same kinds of things that we've seen in other video games. And so 
while his HUD was really cool and, um, you know, the presentation was top notch, I just didn't feel like, um, you know, playing as Michael and Kit was the uh, definitive experience uh, of a Knight Rider game. And so it loses a little points there for me, too. So not essential. You got you two already decided that. I'm just jumping in as well. But we've got another chance for a different um, intellectual property to be uh, on the essential games list next week with RoboCop. So it seems like everybody's just licensing uh, everything they can get their hands on now as we kind of end out 1989. And who knows, because 1990 has so many more games than we've ever covered before. Maybe it's all just uh, IPs and, and giant franchises and sequels of games. And the, we're going to think that, oh, will we ever see it original again? <laughs> uh, are you intentionally giving us a, a, a taste of things to come right now, Mike? I think it's more to do with the fact that, like, we're thinking about that now in 2022, where we're like, oh, yeah, everything's a sequel. Everything is a reboot. We'll never, you know, original movies can't be made anymore. And, you know, now I'm kind of having the same thought in 1989. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's always what it feels like. Yeah, everything's based off of the success of something, right? Everything's based off the Odyssey, right, Sean? <laughs> that is, yeah, that was the first and only story ever told. You know, it would be ridiculous if anyone on this podcast ever read that book. It would be absolutely... Not for school. Insane. <laughs> also, we have a Nostalgia Bites episode coming up, Star Luster. If that's not uh, something that you lust for, don't worry, <laughs> because we have nine <laughs> other episodes of Nostalgia Bites that are available for you right now. This is not a drill. Nine Ready to go episode. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Did you hear that, folks? That wah, is the wah, 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 telling wah. you that there are nine episodes of another nostalgia show that you haven't heard about uh, available right this minute. First off, I'm going to question how haven't you heard about them? Because I've been plugging them at the end of all these shows. So if you haven't listened to the end of the shows, you should know that at the end of the show, we reveal some, you know, pretty crucial information like credit card Some numbers really and social shit. security yeah. numbers yeah locations of america's <laughs> most wanted yeah yeah show them. yeah from now on we're actually putting 30 minutes to an hour of dead space at the end of the episode so no one will be able to tell when the episode actually ends um it'll just end abruptly yeah and i've been doing that so this way i also make the file sizes bigger so this way it's like a commitment that you make with the podcast where you accept the amount of space that we take up on your phone. 